0: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, at managing editor, fightfulmma.com. Go over there. We have full Bellator 221 and UFC 237 results and coverage. So much stuff happened tonight. I'm not going to waste any time. Let's go ahead and get into it. Reminder Fightful MMA podcast every single week. Let's go ahead and get into some of the, the major happenings on Bellator. We're not going to talk about the prelims. You, you really don't even need to know about those. Literally nothing of importance happened on those prelims, but the main card, you had Taiwan Claxton doing what Taiwan Claxton does and what Bellator wanted Taiwan Claxton to do. He keeps winning. Uh, he fought a guy named James Bennett, who was really, really uh, overmatched in so many different ways. Bennett got taken down and beaten up for two rounds and he, he tried to get Von flu choked, but apparently Claxton didn't know how to do it. Uh, Bennett came out, before this, acting like he enjoyed the beating that he was getting the prior two rounds, like smiling, and he was rewarded with a third helping. Taiwan Claxton wins. Then we have Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, Jake Strong, whatever it is you want to call him, taking on JT Jones. Now, Bellator caught all kinds of flack for JT Jones, and all you got to do is look him up. He is a next-level tomato can to the level of, I'm happy to be there. Like I'm, Bellator didn't really exactly hide the fact that they were setting up Jack Swagger for an easy one here. They, they put up the, if they went bowling, they, they put up the bumper lanes for Jack Swagger here. Swagger lands a quick takedown, a double wrist lock, a top wrist lock and JT or TJ Jones actually got out of him. I don't know what the hell his name is TJ Jones. Arm triangle gets it done. Hager held on to the submission a little bit too long and healed the crowd afterwards. So this submission, uh, Swagger held on to it just a, a little bit too long, and he said that he was going to make sure that <laughs> that it was a submission because he, he's had some things happen in the past where it doesn't seem like uh, it, does, it didn't seem like the person was tapping. He wanted to make sure that the ref pulled him off. It wasn't him letting go of it. That I understand, but uh, you can't do that too long. Fortunately, it's not anything like a heel hook. It's nothing like a a double wrist lock or a top wrist lock, Americana Kimura, whatever you want to call it. A knee bar, something that can do permanent damage like that. An arm triangle, a couple extra seconds, isn't really going to hurt anybody that much. Hager healed the crowd hard. There was some good heel work, both in Brazil and I think Chicago is where Bellator 221 was. So uh, Swagger encouraged the booze. That was real good stuff. Uh, he's going to get another can to fight again. He's 37, but he told us that he wanted to fight like three or four times this year. So I look forward to him getting back in the cage later this year. He's doing well. He has a wealth of support. Um, <laughs> Joseph Bosa says that TJ said that he weighed 330 pounds when he took the fight. Meanwhile, Jack Swagger weighted at under 240. Man, that's small by old 1980s WWF standards. I like it. AJ McKee, Antonio McKeed, Pat Curran. This wasn't a good fight. It punched AJ McKee's ticket to the Bellator Featherweight uh, World Grand Prix. Curran took McKee down in round two after McKee had took Curran down in round one. This wasn't good. It's not really the performance you want to see out of a prospect versus legend fight. They used Pat Curran here in order to solidify, uh, to solidify A.J. McKee's name. And that's okay. They probably should. Uh, that's okay because Pat Curran ain't never getting back to that level that he was at. Never, ever, never getting back there. And he's 31 years old, I think. But he's one of those guys that's been fighting for over a decade. Hadn't fought since 2017. So over a year and a half out of the cage. Before that, he had been out of the cage for a year and a half. Before that, he had been out of the cage for like a year. And even though he'd won three straight fights, he also only had those three wins over the past five years. And some okay wins there. John Teixeira, Emmanuel Sanchez, Georgia Carey, Kanyan. Those are good wins for Pat Curran. I'm not taking anything away from them. Even the old ones. I mean, this is the guy who beat Marlon Sandro, Joe Warren, Pitbull, uh, Shamalaya, back-to-back-to-back-to-back, didn't to back to back to back, beat Daniel Strauss. He's had an amazing career. Two-time champion, beat Amada, beat Huerta, uh, beat Strauss way back in the day. But uh, I think that Bellator knew that McKee was getting this win here. Uh, but I thought this was good matchmaking, all things considered. <clears throat> but Joseph Bosa says Pat Curran needs to be active. I agree with you. He needs to be active. Belch or Welterweight Grand Prix Finals. Douglas Lima deads MVP in round two. And I'm not convinced that if these two guys fight ten times, that it doesn't end up five for five. Uh, despite the fact that MVP, – we're going to hear this from about two people tonight. Despite the fact that they got knocked out, I was very impressed with how they performed. MVP came out, and even though uh, Lima took him down, MVP was more active from his back – than Lima was from the bot from the top. And a guy like MVP has to realize if he can't get up, he's got to stay active off his back. Elbows, up kicks, anything you can throw, throw the kitchen sink at him. I'm talking Ed Harris from Major League. Put Pull a Vaseline off your shoulders, put some snot on the ball, and just throw whatever you can at the guy. And uh, I like that out of MVP. He came out aggressively, had some nice kicks. Then at the beginning of round two, he actually cracked Lima. Now, this is where MVP's unconventional style for MMA did him in. Uh, One of the first things you teach somebody for MMA striking is you don't cross your feet. Uh, The reason for that is if you cross your feet, you lose your balance. You can get taken down really easily. You can get leg kicked really easily. Uh, Also, you you, you want to be squared up a little bit more. You don't want to be leg over leg. That's another way to get swept or taken down very, very easily. And Lima, whether intentional or not, timed his leg kick so perfectly that he caught it as MVP was crossing his feet. And it, it leveled MVP. Put him horizontal. They were completely perpendicular. <laughs> and then Lima perfectly timed a punch that knocked out MVP. MVP was a great sport afterwards. I saw a lot of people saying, That's what you get when you act cocky. There was nothing. I've watched every single MVP fight ever and some of his kickboxing fights as well. Some of his karate fights. Nothing about the Douglas Lima fight led me to believe that MVP was fighting cocky. You didn't see a lot of the showboating tactics that he has used in the past. You didn't see a lot of the disrespect. That is his style to some degree. Um, so I didn't think that was him being cocky at all. Douglas Lima is moving on to the finals and man, that was awesome. That was impressive. Uh, when you put everything in a blender tonight, talk, talk about an amazing night of fights and he's 31 years old, a fresh 31. He's been beaten by Askren Koreshkov and McDonald. And I'm talking like since his, since his real step up. Douglas Lima got really good in about 2010 when he was beating Clint Hester and Ryan Ford and a lot of these people, Cortez Coleman on the the regional circuit. And by the time he made it to Bellator in 2011, he was getting really good. I don't know that Ben Askren beats him anymore. I don't know that Andre Koreshkov beats him anymore. I don't know that Rory McDonald beats him now, a year and a half after their first fight. I know for damn sure Douglas Lima probably, or I know for damn sure he beats Neiman Gracie. I don't know that it's an entertaining fight either way we go in this Bellator or Welterweight GP finals, but we got McDonald versus Gracie up next. Speaking of up next, Patricio Pitbull TKO'd Michael Chandler to win the title. This lasted a whopping one minute. Pitbull was uh, matched up with Chandler, rushed him with a combo, clipped him, dropped him, followed him to a ground, and that was it. A lot of people upset about this finish, including Chandler. I didn't think so. I thought it was one of those, ref got you out of there before more damage could be done type of thing. And Chandler really, really playing up at the... That the... Uh, <laughs> Win was not legit. It really, didn't sit well with me. It really didn't. I, I've had nothing but positive experiences in, in working with Mike Chandler and interviewing him, but he got beat, man. He got clipped, and sometimes you just get clipped. And I, I've not made it a secret. I know how much that Bellator loves the Pitbull Brothers. I, I, it's been a running joke for the three years that Fightful has existed between myself and Showdown Joe. Bellator loves them, a Pitbull brother main event. If they could headline every show with a Pitbull brother, they would. This was Chandler's third fight against a Pitbull brother. The story was there. He had, uh, fit, he had beaten Patricio twice. But there ain't nothing wrong with losing to Patric- Patricio Pitbull. They'll run this back. It's Bellator, man. They always run this back. They always run it back. Man, it's what they do, man. They do rematches, uh, whether or not they're warranted. And this one, I don't necessarily think is warranted. I think if you get beaten in the first round, in the first minute, you should probably just kind of sit it out. Go back. uh, Beat somebody else. Now, here's the thing. Patricio Pitbull... I would imagine is going to be involved in the world, the featherweight GP. But now he's a double champion, and a thing that we're going to speak about on the Fightful May podcast this week is Patricio Pitbull the greatest Bellator fighter of all time. Now he has competed for the for world championships for six years now. He is a three time Bellator champion, man. He is a Bellator tournament winner, multiple-time Bellator tournament winner. He's beaten a lot of great, good guys. I mean, I, dare I say that this may be his biggest win yet. I This is a hell of a lot bigger than Diego Nunez, Daniel Weichel, Daniel Strauss. This is his defining victory. We'll talk about that this week. Somebody says Dada 5000. Oh, man. Oh, geez. We're going to get to the Thug Rose stuff. Don't you worry. <clears throat> Let's run through these UFC prelims very quickly because there's not a lot to talk about. Uh, Viviana Araujo just flattened to, lead to Bernardo. You want to talk about somebody who made an impression on me. Viviana Araujo up two weight classes from straw weight to bantam weight beats number 15 Bernardo on a few days' notice. So I guess technically she was one of my I-got-five-on-it picks because I said whoever, it was Melissa Gatto was my pick because of women's MMA being so unpredictable. Arajao slid right in there when Gatto was pulled, but she was beating Talita from early on, got the pressure put on her at the end of round two, and it looked like it could spell trouble, but she didn't coast. Instead, she finished Bernardo in the third round I can't tell you how impressive this was. Out of her weight class, late notice against the top 10 opponent, this was a big one for her. She's a stoppage machine. Her one loss is against Sarah Frota, who is in the UFC, and had a very close loss to Olivia Renata Souza. So I'm not holding that against her. We're talking about two people who are going to probably make their mark in uh, the UFC. So I I'm looking out for her. I do uh, a quick plug every morning after these UFC pay per views. I do my uh, Sean Rossap's recommendation, and I you got to watch this. And there aren't a lot of opening fights that I think are even even if they're barn burners, are they worth watching because of the quality level? I think Viviana Rajow is uh, worth looking at. Hey guys, for everybody talking about head spikes, I'm gonna let you all know about that. I've been in I just. Hold up. Roni Barcelos uh, defeated Carlos Hashin round two. Uh, this was <clears throat> Barcelos. He's a, You probably should watch this. This is a pretty nice emerging prospect. worth your time. He threatened on the feet, on the ground, in the submission game, ground and pound. He has some exceptional boxing, which is put over accordingly on commentary. He was a 14-1 career, 3-0 in the UFC. He had a very impressive RFA run. This is a guy who could not who could barely get into the cage for two years. Uh, the finish will be controversial to some, but I was okay with it. Carolina defeated Priscilla quechuera I don't know. I can't imagine either one of these getting very relevant fights. This is a very fun fight to watch. But not a good technical fight. Carolina was keeping her chin straight up but prevented the overhands pretty well by, by jumping into the clinch. Kishwara didn't have the footwork to cut off Carolina effectively. So she was chasing, swinging at air, getting countered. Carolina landed a really sick head kick, but didn't seem to know how to apply an arm bar, or maintain side mount. There was this illegal knee thrown, this kick, but I don't think Carolina meant to do it. It was eh. And Priscilla Kishwara took this very, very short notice, but yeah, Luana Carolina uh, won this in a fun fight. Who boy. Clay B- Guida beat the piss out of BJ Penn. It says something. BJ Penn, a fantastic human piece of shit. It just, he is a, a big piece of shit. In and out of the cage. He didn't get knocked out, so technically he's doing better these days. He did not terrible in the first round. So people were like, oh my God, BJ Penn won a round. They got to get to Hawaii already so this motherfucker can retire. Guida really poured it on in the third round. He just got sick of the shit. Beat Penn's ass in round three. I would say this was uncomfortable, but seeing Penn get beaten up isn't uncomfortable. He's trash, man. Motivated Penn gave way to vintage BJ Penn with the quickness because he got tired. Worley Alves just assaulted Sergio Marias. Alves just chopped away at the legs of Marias. Mother of God. This continued for three rounds until he just put Marias away. This was a sustained assault. That's what this was. (laughs) Worley Alves, man, if he, see, the thing is, if Warley can piece together a really good winning streak, he's going to be a guy that they push in Brazil especially. He's going to be a guy that they can always go back to on the fact that he submitted Colby Covington. And uh, he's won three of four, so that's good. The Barbarina loss does not look good at all. The Usman loss doesn't look bad, but you know he's got to be sitting there praying for Colby Covington to beat Kamaru Usman. because. He beat Colby Covington in about 90 seconds. We'll talk more about that later. Thiago Moises defeated Kurt Halleba. Moises has a beautiful takedown on Halleba in round one. Does the same uh, after round two, but Kurt Hollibaugh opened strong. Back on the feet, Moises, I like that he relied on some really hard elbows. The pace of this fight was very impressive. But Moises really dominated this fight and didn't give up to the final bell. He ended up winning. Whew, little Nog got put out to pasture by Ryan Span. Spawn Span. He took down little Nog, but couldn't submit him. I didn't see this as a charity case fight like the BJ Penn fight. Uh, Nog had won two of three. He'll keep getting fights if he wants. They hit the feet, and Nog seemed happy to slug it out, but Span put him flat on his ass, man. And that was it. That was it. Big win for Ryan Span. Um, Nog isn't a top 15 fighter anymore, but, you know, this was your typical prospect versus uh, versus legend fight. And to the contrary, uh, this was the opposite of AJ McKee versus Pat Curran. This was a 27-year-old in Ryan Spann who came from the Contender Series, who came from LFA, who, the, who they really like, who actually didn't look great between 2015 and 2017, he went like two and four at one point and got finished in 15 seconds by Carl Roberson. And now he's put together just this really, really great run in LFA, Contender Series, and and UFC.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
0: Really turned it around. Talk about growth as a fighter and somebody whose record will deceive a lot of people. And to be honest with you, when he lost to Robert Drysdale, who knows what the fuck. Pardon my language. I try not to curse too much. On the MMA show, I let it fly a little bit more, but who knows what Robert Drysdale was on? Main card, number 11, Irene Aldana, tapped out a featherweight in Betch Kohea. Betch Kohea, again, a missed weight, 141 pounds. She's not good. She shouldn't be ranked. And sure as hell shouldn't have been in this main card fight and should not have been in this fight. She does one thing. She wades in. She slugs it out. She ducks her head. That's it. And Aldana fought literally the only way that Correa could stay in the fight. And that's frustrating. As someone who preaches how much Kohea is not good and have since the beginning of her USC career, it's very frustrating. I think that most of the people that Kohea beat, I think the two horsewomen that she beat probably should have beaten her if they would have fought to their abilities. I've never seen somebody. Gets so far on so little. She counter like, She's able to counter really well when you get inside. But, I mean, she is really coasting off the fact that she got put face down, ass up on a straight out of Compton logo by Ronda Rousey. Uh, so, Kohea shot a, a lazy takedown, got belly down, arm barred with the quickness. Well, let's run you through a history of Bet- Betch Kohea, because I'll, I'll do the rant this week on the Fightful MMA podcast where Showdown Joe can react. I can, I can get a little more feedback off of this. I mean, Betch Kohea is 35. she be 36 this year. Submitted by Aldana. Hadn't fought in two years. Got knocked out by Holly Holm. Before that, she got a draw against Marion Renault, Robbery. Marion Renault should have won that fight. Jessica I beat her. That should not have been a split decision win for Betch Goheya. That should have been a win for uh, Jessica I. Pennington beat her. Ronda Rousey knocked her out. We're looking at f- almost five years since a win. And she blew weight. You kidding me? Blue weight should be on a six-fight losing streak at this stage. Man, and actually, uh, this fight, she she got pulled last year. Now, I'm not going to pretend that that's that's something that she makes a habit of. When she commits to fight, she usually shows up in fights, which is more than I can say about a lot of people. But What does this win do for Irene Aldana? Not a damn thing, realistically, even though she's won three in a row. Nothing, really. She beat a featherweight. Liano Star Staropoli beat down Tiago Alves. This was another sustained beating. Alves would occasionally throw a leg kick, landed a pretty good uh, pretty good uh, takedown at one point. But other than that, it was just all Staropoli. Staropoli is 2-0 in the UFC. Good enough to land him in a UFC Argentina main event, probably. I did like that Alves kind of turned it on a little bit more towards the end of the fight. Number four, Alexander Volkanovski defeated number one, Jose Aldo. Those rankings should switch. At the very least, Volkanovski should be number one. This wasn't a great fight. I thought that Aldo would be able to saw through Volkanovski with kicks, but it wasn't. Aldo fought like a man who was going to retire this year. His championship aspirations are essentially done in the UFC if he does retire this year. This was a primarily stand-up fight, which I thought would favor Aldo. However, Volkanovski was able to take the first two rounds. And then I thought he coasted a little bit, played it safe, pushed pushed Aldo up against the cage, rode things out there. That was a wrap. Volkanovski 7-0. He wants that fight with Holloway. He should be getting it. He says he wants it in Australia. I don't know if that will happen. Is there an island between Hawaii and Australia they can run that at? As for Aldo, I mean, like, I, I wish that I had more to say about this fight, but what is there to say about it? It wasn't a great fight. It's worth watching the highlights because these are two amazing fighters, elite level fighters. I don't believe that Jose Aldo is that far removed from his prime, honestly. It's weird to think he's three and four in his last seven, but I admire the fact the man has stayed uh, relatively active. And I mean, I I didn't think he was going to fight a lot after McGregor three years ago, but the fact that he's fought six times since then, it's impressive to me. The The fact that along the way, he's won a UFC title and had three performance of the night bonuses. Yeah. And this was his first loss ever by decision. How about that? You saw that coming. Not me, man. Aldo uh, sticks with it. There used to be a lot of questions about his gas tank, but hey. Chad Medor says BJ Penn versus Chuck Liddell next. That's funny. Penn versus Hawkins. If you mean Jeff Hawkins, Jeff might beat him. Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> Jared Cannoneer defeated Anderson Silva round one TKO injury. Jared Cannoneer put the pain on Anderson Silva's legs. Uh, I didn't like the fact that ESPN and UFC muted the audio on Silva's entrance. I do. I understand they did it for licensing reasons, <laughs> and I guess I just did it too. I I, I sang. Anderson Silva's theme when we were on mute, but I had to mute it for licensing reasons. That's the gimmick we're going to rock with right now. Silva does not have a finish since that second and fight. I posted a video on my Twitter that you all should go watch. <laughs> there was this little girl at <laughs> Cannoneer's daughter's school that's like, you're not the best fighter, and he looked like he was going to kick her knee out. He looked like he was about to destroy her ACL. He looked so pissed. Um, What is there to say about this? Silva still looked really fast. I still think he can beat some people. But I don't know if we'll ever see him again. I think he's the type of guy who will come and fight again because he's Anderson Silva and he just likes to fight. I don't know what a a win over him means anymore. And man, this hurts. And you can say what you want about the asterisk and the, the PEDs and all that and... This was one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen. He's getting stopped with inside leg kicks these days, man. Do I think he should retire? Not really, not unless he wants to. I don't know how he'll feel, but let's talk about how good Jared Cannonier was with this crowd. Holy crap, man. That was awesome. <laughs> Uh, he talked, he's talked to us about pro wrestling a few times. Uh, but, and that's, that's on our YouTube here. He, uh, Roman Reigns, that crowd, he should have looked at them and said, this is my yard now. That would have been hilarious. He milked it. That was amazing. Good on you, Jared Cannoneer for healing that crowd. They don't deserve you. You should heal them. And you know what you should do? Go back there and fight again. Go back there and whip another legend's ass. Do it, man. More power to you. UFC Strawweight Championship. This is what the majority of this is going to be. Uh, We've we've got to get in the weeds about this. This is multi-layered 3D stuff. Jessica Andrade defeated Rose Namajunas to become champion. But Jessica Andrade won about five seconds of this fight. Rose Namajunas whipped Jessica Andrade's ass so bad. She got so good. I think Rose Namajunas maybe got better at MMA than she ever wanted to be at MMA. Wow. Rose Namajunas stuck and used her range expertly in the opening minute of the fight, and that just continued. Rose stifled a slam with a double wrist lock. And then threatened an armbar. Rose even briefly got a takedown. The entire first round is Rose Yunus in many different ways, just beating Andrade. Andrade wisely tried to make it a brawl in the pocket because nothing else worked. I don't know who the hell supplied John Anik with the stats saying the significant strikes in round one were the same. But they shouldn't be doing stats anymore because they they were not the same. Rose Yunus whipped Jessica Andrade's ass. Round two is much of the same until Rosa, or Jessica Andraj picked up Nama Yunus in a high crotch in what um, it's called as the Daniel Cormier driver. It's where you flip somebody over off a high crotch and they land on their back. Here's the issue. Nama Yunus held onto a double wrist lock, and as Daniel Cormier put it, pointed out, she couldn't bump. I know a lot of you are thinking, bumping like wrestling? Yeah, like wrestling. an MMA class, catch wrestling class, you do break falls. You do rolls, you do three-quarter rolls, you do side falls, you do front bumps, you do flip bumps, you do back bumps. You, ha- you learn how to fall because your first instinct when you go into an MMA class is put out your hand. We I, I tell you what, if, if, you, if you're a skateboarder, go learn how to fall. We had a, a guy in my MMA class, he had skated for a long time. His first instinct, falling off a skateboard, put his arm down. No, man, broke his collarbone, separated his shoulder. Rose held on to the submission, ended up getting dropped on her head, knocked out. I was so scared. I thought she was paralyzed at first, but she wasn't. She was okay as it turns out. I'm sure she got a concussion. Now, there are a lot of people saying that's illegal. She got spiked on her head. Now, let me clear this up for you. I've been a part of dozens of fighters' meetings as as a manager, as a corner man, as a commentator, as a coordinator, uh, working for promotions, any number of things. I have been uh, even some grappling tournaments, the real good fun ones Uh, as a competitor. You are told, hey, if somebody lifts you up like in a waist lock or a scoop slam or lifts you up, in a pile driver or a power bomb, and it's of their own volition. Completely spiking someone on their head is illegal. However, if you're arm barring somebody and you hold on to it, if you've got a double wrist lock applied, if you've got a guillotine choke applied, and you do not let go of that, and you get spiked on your head, sorry, hate to say I told you so, but it's on you. Rose Yunus made a, a mistake. She lost the UFC strawweight championship because she held on to a submission. There is no gray area as far as that is concerned. She held on to a submission. She got spiked on the back of her head. She lost the fight. There's no controversy. There's no issue. I'm telling you, every single fighters meeting I've been a part of, this is cleared up. There's no issue with new rules versus old rules. There's nothing like that. Nami Yunus lost fair and square, and she lost because she held on to a submission. Now, here's the thing that stood out to me. Rose Nami Yunus, who has dealt with a tremendous amount of PTSD, uh, Jeremy Botter did an amazing profile on her last year, and she dealt with some shit following the Conor McGregor bus attack that seemingly affected her she said that losing the championship brought a weight off her shoulders and i'm like man uh like that's that's something you don't like to see you've seen it out of gsp you've seen it out of roy mcdonald you've seen it out of her i think she got better than she ever thought she was going to get They should not have, yeah, Joseph Bosa says she shouldn't have been interviewed after the fight. You're right, she shouldn't have been. You don't do that after a fight. Michael Chandler shouldn't have been interviewed after his fight either. Joe Rogan uh, making it a rule, personally, that he would not uh, would not interview knocked out fighters, I think is a good move. I don't know what this means for her future because... You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how anybody's feeling on any certain time. She's 26 years old. She's amazing. I think if she wanted a rematch, she could get one. And she, this is a rare exception where I see somebody get knocked out and I'm like, okay, a rematch would be all right. One, she went to this woman's backyard and asked to. Two, she was whipping her ass the whole time. However, if they didn't give her a rematch and they said, you know what, get another win under your belt, I wouldn't be opposed to that either because – you already have a title eliminator set up between two very worthy contenders in Nina Ansaroff and Tatiana Suarez. I'll tell you one thing. Jessica Andrade is not going to pick up and slam Tatiana Suarez like she did Rose Namajunas. I think Tatiana Suarez probably wins that fight. But if Rose Namajunas wants a rematch, I'm okay with that. I'd be okay with it. But... I do think the winner of Suarez versus Ansaroff deserves a title fight. Should definitely happen. Should definitely happen. What a night of fights, guys. Uh, I want to thank David Tees and Joe Holbert and Jeremy Lambert, who helped me out with uh, the coverage of these these MMA cards. I want to thank Andrew Thompson, who (laughs) handled all the pro wrestling news tonight. I have my feature coming up tomorrow morning. I'm going to do a stats piece on tonight's MMA show as well, or MMA cards tonight as well. Tell me what you guys want to see more of. We, we brought Harry Kettle on to do some interviews. He's got one with Jack Hermanson coming up. To uh, fill the void that James Lynch has left as he is heading to the score, uh, we've thanked James a couple of times in the past, but and he's done on this show. I don't know if he'll ever hear it. I want to thank James Lynch immensely. He was a must-get for our website. For what we wanted to do, James Lynch was and will always be very important to developing this. Uh, It is not a secret. Our MMA side of things is far, far, far behind our pro wrestling stuff. We don't break a lot of news there. We get interviews. We do a lot of crossover stuff. We have great live coverage. I really enjoy our podcasts. I think I do a pretty good job breaking down what happened. Uh, some of the technical aspects of that. I have a little experience in that regard. But what James Lynch can do, his professionalism and his excellence, uh, is second to none. And somebody had the balls to say, oh, you said he was going to be Canada's Hawaii, but Hawaii's from Canada. Hawaii lives in New York now. I'm talking about from the Canada MMA coverage aspect and what the score is going to do. James Lynch is going to do amazing. Uh, a big thank you to James Lynch. When he got interviews, uh, he, he gave us some of his best. When we said, hey, do you mind reaching out and seeing if there are any pro wrestling connections with some of these guys, he didn't flinch, man. He did it. Didn't watch pro wrestling. Did a lot of great pro wrestling work for us. Uh, I will forever be thankful to what James Lynch contributed, uh, and I hope to still have him on here on occasion. Uh I was fortunate enough to get to meet James when we when I went to Toronto for the first time. That meant the world to me. He was great to us. Uh, thank you so much to James Lynch. Uh, we will be back this week for the Fightful MMA podcast with Showdown Joe. Hey, you want to talk about another guy who's contributed greatly? Uh, Showdown Joe has as well. But uh, we're, we're, we've got some moving pieces here that I think are going to do great things for FightfulMMA.com. And you guys are going to like it. I think you're going to like Harry Kettle uh, bringing Joe Holbert on full time for the MMA end of things. You're going to see Jeremy Lambert helping out a little bit more with MMA stuff. He is uh, one of our great writers on the wrestling end. But I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. Until next time, leave a thumbs up on this video. We're out. This is the story of the one.